Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. If you think it's hard doing your job these days, just try running a theater company almost two years into a pandemic. Case counts rise and they fall. And you have to keep people safe, even as you worry about your company's bottom line, your patrons, and all the people on your payroll. And so for many St. Louis companies and theatrical producers, for better or for worse, 2021 was the year the show was back on. So how did all that jazz work out? And here's a big question that local actors and theater habitués are wondering about. Will the theater awards go on as usual this March? Well, here now to give us the scoop is Tina Farmer. She's the theater critic for KDHX. Tina, welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined today by Jerry Kaworski. He's a theater critic for HEC-TV. Jerry, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate you both braving the snows to come here. This is true dedication to this theater scene. And this has been a tough couple of years for theater companies. Tina, are they all still hanging in there at this point? You know, we've lost relatively few companies during the pandemic closure, which is really nice. And among the companies we have lost, at least one of them was somebody who's retiring. So they were already evaluating how much longer they were going to keep their company going. Hmm. So, so, Jerry, there was kind of a pause in there. When the pandemic began, a lot of companies stopped. They knew they couldn't safely do theater at that point, and so they didn't. Do you remember your first show back when theater decided to return? Remember where you went? Uh, well, the first one I went to live was uh, Opera Theater of St. Louis, which had a, a season on their parking lot. They took one of those stages that you usually see at a rock concert, built it at the end of the parking lot, and, and had about, I guess, 200, 250 seats, and it was a wonderful season. Yeah, they sold out that entire season. Those were my first shows back, too. What was that like for you, sitting in the audience that first night back after what must have been more than a year without theater for you? Oh, it was thrilling, uh, and, and it was such a great performance, too, of Johnny Skeeky that opening night. That was a great show. Tina, what was your first one back when theater resumed? So mine was also Gianni Skiki at Opera Theater of St. Louis. And my first indoor show back was Dreaming Zenzeli, which was a world premiere production that the rep put on to welcome everybody back. That was our first indoor theater. Yeah, that was also a great show. How did you feel going indoors? Did you have a feeling of, of queasiness as you first walked in that night? You know... They had people stationed at the door. Everybody was checking in and showing that they were vaccinated or had that negative test within the last 24 hours or whatever their specific rule is. And everybody wore their mask. At that time, the seating was more spaced. So I felt like it was a wonderful blessing to be able to get back to live theater and that the accommodations were were set up with safety and safe viewing, and also for the actors, because as a patron, as a reviewer sitting in the seats, I can keep my mask on. It's relatively easy for me to keep a safe distance. But if I'm acting and singing and dancing and moving, I 
I'm not having a mask. So out of respect for the actors and the performers and the technicians, the people who couldn't wear a mask, I was also very grateful that those of us who were simply watching were wearing masks. Yeah, I mean, they had such serious uh, COVID controls at the rep. I went to that show yes. as well, and I was like, wow, they this is not just COVID theater. They are, they are taking this very seriously. And the whole idea of doing opera in a parking lot, theater companies found ways to innovate. They found ways even during the pandemic. A lot of them uh, had shows that were shared on Facebook or YouTube, either live or, or, or pre-taped for broadcast. And we, we act, one of the decisions we actually had to make in this year's awards was whether we were going to count those or not. And ultimately, we decided that they were different, but we are going to acknowledge the companies that kept theater alive and that really cared about their patrons. So you decided that for these theater awards, and I guess this is the official notice for those who are wondering, these awards are going on. Is there a category then for for virtual or Zoom performances? Uh, It's not an official category with an award because we didn't want a competition. Mm. We just want to, to... them to know how much we all appreciated their efforts. And it's true. They went to considerable efforts um, from recording productions to creating their own live interpretations of live theater on a smaller screen. Some of the most innovative things I saw were things that little companies like um, Sate with their Afro-Ben all-virtual festival a couple of those small shows, they were small, originally written, and these people were so keenly aware of, of, of the pandemic and how it was affecting us as artists and as people that they were really able to translate some of that feeling into their Zoom presentations. But it's still just, you can't compare it with live theater. So mm-hmm. we wanted to, to, first of all, acknowledge the excellent work our companies did. And when they came together to do that St. Louis benefit for artists, which was a totally virtual fundraising uh, opportunity, I mean, we got great response to that. And a lot of people tuned in, just like a lot of people tuned into our virtual awards ceremony that we had at the beginning of the pandemic. And so you did go ahead with a, a scaled back, much different kind of award ceremony in 2020. This would have been honoring the work that happened pre-pandemic? In, in 2019, in, yes. In 2019, okay. Yeah, so you were able to do that, I assume then last year, um, the year where you would have normally honored what had happened in 2020. There was just no theater awards. That's, correct. That's correct. We we had a virtual ceremony in 2020 because the lockdown happened. And fortunately, our, our friends at HEC Media came to our rescue and we were able to record a show that, that was run at uh, the, the time the award ceremony usually would have begun. So, so we did get those awards out, but there was not enough to do a, an awards last year. However, we are going to count the 2020 shows in these awards, and 2020 shows have gotten a number of nominations. And when you're talking about 2020 shows, are these ones that sort of slipped in there in 2020 before COVID shut things down? Yeah, basically from the beginning of, year, of the year until, um, I think, March 22nd, 
afternoon performance of The Cake at the Repertory Theater of St. Louis was the last official production before COVID lockdown. And I happen to know that because I was there. You were there. And I was actually going to go to the evening performance. And somebody said, hey, can you come to the afternoon matinee? Because we're not sure if we're going to have an evening production. Wow. So we talked about your first production back. That was your last. You remember that vividly as well. Oh, I really, really do. I really do because, I mean, we were all so frightened and unsure to begin with and and so worried. Yeah. And worried about the state of theater. I mean, though we did lose relatively few companies, we had a couple companies like New Jewish Theater who actually went on a formal hiatus during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, this really struck in in such an unprecedented way and, and so complicated for these companies to deal with. So when you're putting together, okay, you know, now you're ready to release this list of nominees, that's going to happen um, right just a few minutes after this show wraps at one o'clock. People will be able to get that on our website, stlonair.show. This is big news. But as you were surveying uh, the number of productions, counting those couple months before the pandemic shut things down, and then what happened? all last year. Is it a smaller than normal number? It is about half as many as normal. I think we had a total of 75 to 80 productions that were eligible. And to remind everybody to be eligible for a Theater Circle nomination, it has to be St. Louis produced professional theater. This can't be something just a traveling show. Right. So so no shows at the Fox, for example, are eligible for the awards. However, shows at the Muni, because they are self-produced and they cast their own shows and they bring in their own and produce their own productions, even though you get big name stars from out of town, those are locally produced, so they are eligible. So were you surprised that the number of of total productions had only been cut down by a half? Had you thought maybe it might be even more? I I think that's about what we expected. Mm. I mean, we we had uh, two and a half months in 2020 and then seven months in 2022, but there weren't quite as many as, as usual. Yeah, a smaller number. But the show did go on. And we're talking today to two members of the St. Louis Theater Circle Awards. Uh, That is critic Jerry Kowarski, who's a theater critic for HEC-TV. We're also joined by Tina Farmer, who's a theater critic for KDHX. They're getting ready to release those nominees. And so I'm curious, looking at the list of nominees this year, um, are there any productions that stand out as these are, uh, as far as nominations go, the big winners? They're seeing the most attention in this list of nominations. Well, sure. We've got we've got a couple. We've got a Muni show, a Stages show, uh, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival, Midnight Company. All of these have multiple nominations in multiple categories, and we're talking about a half dozen to a dozen nominations mm-hmm. for those particular companies. We also have a lot of shows that got a lot of love. Um, One of the last shows I saw before uh, the pandemic was the Thanksgiving play at the Rep, which for me was just such great satire and funny comedy that it stayed with me really strong. And apparently it stayed with a lot of the other critics because that's an individual show that got a lot of love. But smaller companies who produced a lot of shows like The Midnight Company, which is pretty much a a two-person you know, a two-person operation, they also kept very busy, were very prolific in creating new material, and they've gotten a lot of love from the critics. 
Jerry, uh, is, yeah, go ahead. The, the most awards uh, from companies, the Rep and uh, the Muni, tied with 27 nominations each. Wow. Out of 165, that's almost a third of the nominations. But we have uh, 17 companies that have two or more. A total of 21 companies were nominated. The two shows that got the most nominations were Chicago at the Muni and Jersey Boys at Stages. Hmm. And yeah, Chicago. I mean, talk about a great show in these times. You can see how uh, musicals would have really resonated both with critics and with audiences. I mean, they're just so much fun for getting people together and 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 having, uh, you know, something to do and celebrate. Musicals just just really kind of give everybody an upbeat sort of perspective for the most part. I'm not saying every single musical, but Chicago is certainly one of those musicals that um, really gets in a lot of, that gets a lot of attention. And actually this year, because of the change in how we are categorizing our performance-based roles, Chicago is one of... um, the shows that is affected by our, our decision. So, so yeah, Tina, I'm glad you brought this up. And I think it's going to be important to explain to people what you're doing and why you're doing it. So, so how have you changed the categories for acting awards uh, this year? Sure. So the biggest shift for performing in roles is that we are changing the award emphasis to place it on the character, the character's gender identity or non-binary identity, rather than placing that as best actress or best actor. It's going to be best or outstanding performer in a male or non-binary or female or non-binary role. So, so tell people how this ended up playing out um, by making this change. Who might be eligible for this category, whereas before that this would have been a different story? Going back to Chicago, Jay Harrison G., who's a fabulous actor. We saw him uh, just a couple years ago in Kinky Boots. But for Chicago, Jay Harrison G. was cast as Velma. Hmm. And this is a, a role played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes, exactly. And because um, the actor, J. Harrison G., identifies as male or non-binary, is irrelevant to our awards. What's relevant is J. Harrison G., an excellent performer, turned in an excellent production as a female-identifying role Velma. And so then that performer will be competing against other people playing um, uh, strictly female parts. Female or non-binary, yes. So this seems like a a kind of complicated change. Did you have to bring in the experts as you're trying to figure out how to finesse this, Jerry? (laughs) Well, uh, we, we, the first proposal uh, I made in August to to do categories based on the gender of characters rather than uh, act, uh, the the performer. But uh, Tina did a lot of research on this. And, and Jerry, was that thought inspired by you were impressed with this performance in Chicago? No, it was inspired by something I saw on Facebook in September of 2020. One person posted very positively about uh, a company in another city that had taken gender out of their awards on the grounds that it's so harmful to people who don't fit into those categories. Mm -hmm. And someone else responded that if you took gender out of awards, 
then that would be hard on women because the theatrical repertory is just so, has a, has a historic imbalance of many more parts for men than women. So just, yeah. just leaving aside any issues of prejudice, just numbers alone are against women. Women don't always get to play Hamlet, let's face it. That's right. And Although and it did happen about <laughs> five years ago with St. Louis Shakespeare and uh, Maggie Winninger, who was nominated... Yeah. For her performance as Hamlet. But so typically there just aren't as many meaty roles right. for and an actress. So I thought that both of these posters were correct. And I kept thinking about it. And eventually it occurred to me that we could address both issues if we based our categories on the gender of the character rather than the gender of the performer. And so, Tina, you then ended up doing a lot of research to see how to do this properly. I did. And... I am also studying diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as part of my professional and personal growth. Um, I have a certificate from the University of Southern uh, Florida in DE&I, and I'm currently actually studying to become a facilitator for some of these sort of conversations. And part of that is understanding understanding what's happening in our community and also speaking with people who identify mm-hmm differently, and understanding how they want to be included. So you consulted with them about these yes, changes. Yes, we did talk. Now, we didn't talk to everybody. Sure. And I talked to people outside of St. Louis and inside of St. Louis. I talked to actors, performers, and non-performers or actors. So I did try and talk to a wide range of people that I knew, though that is still a small sample. And we don't think necessarily that we are in the final most equitable and inclusive awards, but we think that we are making important steps in the right direction. Um, I think it's also important to note that that I, I looked at other awarding ceremonies and and their history. One of the biggest ones is the Grammys, mm-hmm. which got rid of gender almost 10 years ago. So just best performer, basically. Right. And unless your name is Taylor Swift or Beyonce, you have been statistically negatively impacted by the complete dropping of gender. Yeah. There's a bunch of articles about it. So this <laughs> is a big change for this year. It's going to be a change that continues to evolve. And I think also big news here that these awards are back on the is really exciting. And I want to pre- I want to thank you both for coming today. Again, braving the snows to do this. Uh, Tina Farmer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And Tina is the theater critic for KDHX. Uh, we're also joined by Jerry Kaworski, who's the theater critic for HEC-TV. Jerry, thank you. Thank you very much. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.